1: Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry.
2: And I'm Jesus Chavez.
1: This week's episode, are masks the new scarlet letter? In today's deep dive, does the CDC's new public mask-wearing guidance for the vaccinated usher in a welcome return to normalcy or a new era of normalizing the erosion of medical privacy? And in Courage or Cringe athletes sue the NFL over race-based algorithms, the Golden Globes and cancel culture, and Marjorie Taylor Greene names AOC as her bully. Is accounting for social and economic disparity to determine compensation a healthy measure that drives equity, or is it a selective tool used in economically advantageous cases but decried in others? Is the push to cancel the Golden Globes a righteous reckoning for a history of disparity or a dismal display of piling on the virtue bandwagon? And finally, should Marjorie Taylor Greene, the firebrand congresswoman, be heard and believed about being bullied by powerful members of Congress? Or are her recent run-ins with other lawmakers simply proof of reaping what she's sown? This and so much more on this episode of TDR. I'm fired up today. Good? I am. I'm fired up. Uh, that's good. Fired up. So you gonna be angry in this in N- this episode? No no idea why, but I'm fired up. Alright. Definitely not gonna be angry. So we got a lot of fun stuff. Mask mandates. Masks. Everybody loves masks, right?
2: Yes. Or lack of mandates in some
1: cases. Or lack of masks. And President Biden, and tweets, and all kinds of things. A lot of fun stuff. How are you, Jesus? I'm good. Yeah. Here we are, back again. TDR. One more round. When's that? By the way, when's that fight with, um, with uh, 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 Mayweather and uh, Paul? <laughs>
2: Logan Paul. I think it's in June. June something. So we're coming up on that. Uh, yeah. Is that the next? That's so Kinda? ridiculous. <laughs> I mean at some point they need to just stop. Look, like, I I I like I like the fact that Jake Paul and Logan Paul I don't I dislike both of them as individuals to be clear. But wait I which do, one?
1: Mayweather and Paul or just no, no. or the, Actually, yeah, the Paul brothers. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, I'm, Everybody. I, I'm
2: not a fan of Mayweather. Related I haven't or not. been in a very long time. Mm. I don't like the Logan brothers. But I absolutely respect their dedication to the sport. I think that's a lot to commend and I think people are keep on getting their ass kicked because they're not taking it serious and these guys are because they get caught up in all the trolling and think that because they're somehow... Because they're YouTubers and trollers, you know? These are also, like, big athletic kids. That kid, Logan Paul, was like a wrestler in college. I mean... Yeah, these are not... These are not, like... This is not, like, the guy who's sitting here in his, you know, dorm, you know, eating Cheetos for the last, whatever, 15 years. And they're taking it super serious. So, to their credit, they are. But the whole thing is such a spectacle. I mean, I think it's closer and closer to me, reminding me of... WWE, you know, it's like, it's just, yeah, like, just all showmanship, all like wrestling. And the part that I don't care for or respect is when you're talking about bringing a guy in, Logan Paul, is, like, what, like 6'2", maybe? I don't know. He's a big dude.
1: I think so. I looked, against, we tried to look up his stats the against, last
2: time. Uh, we uh, find what's his anything? name? Uh, Mayweather, who's like 5'8? 4'8 eight? Eight in, in heels. Come on, 4'8. Oof. <laughs> you know, it's like, come By on. By the way, man. I, I, I mean, I, and he's great, sure. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I'm sure he's going to dominate, but it's still such a spectacle. It's such a spectacle. I didn't know the
1: thing that you said about um, Mayweather was known as kind of being strategic, like, which, I mean, everybody, by the way, he's, Jake Paul is 5'11", according to this.
2: Jake Paul is not
1: five eleven. He can't be right. J- Jake this is Paul the first was five eleven in eighth grade. In eighth maybe. grade, yeah. Well, how is this possible? Logan that this Paul... man does not have his measurements listed
2: anywhere. First of all, we're talking about Logan Paul right now. Logan okay, Paul. Okay, according he's to 6'2". Bo-
1: here we go, six one according to Sports Skeed Media, whatever that is, six
2: one. Well, um Wikipedia has him at, at six two for uh. And for how Logan much Paul. does
1: he weigh? Nobody can. Nobody says what he weigh. Anyway, I, I mean, it's a big hit. Yeah, but 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 before we get on to masks, I I didn't know the 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 thing that you said about Jake Paul uh, says
2: he's six one by the way, six one.
1: All right. So, but how much Paul does he weigh? Six and what?
2: How much does he? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He has to be hundred.
1: It says right here, Jake Paul weighed in at one hundred and ninety pounds for his last fight.
2: Yeah, okay, that sounds right. And he's actually a, that
1: was super built. I mean, that kid is like jack. Yeah, one ninety is like two percent body fat and six one. Yeah, that's gonna give you some trouble. That's gonna give you some trouble, right? Especially the other person like and does he, not at all take it seriously, right? And one's twenty something years old, the other one is right, not. Right, right, right. Um, last point before we get to masks. Um, I didn't know the thing you said about Mayweather's um, kind of being too strategic, like with his like history and of all. dodging people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, look to his credit. I mean, he and he could command it because anyone wants to fight him, he gets to pick and choose whatever fights he wants. So to his, to his point, he you know he fought people. At the right time. Um, doesn't take away the fact that he is a great boxer. Great boxer. And undefeated. Great, yeah. great boxer. You know, I mean, some people, people call him the best. I, I hate to call him the best because I don't think he fought the best at, the be, at their best moments. Yeah. But at the same time, you cannot take anything away from his style because the guy throughout his entire fast, career too. has maybe a couple of times at most been in actual real danger. Mm-hmm. For the most part, that dude just has a great ability to just frustrate people. Dominate. The counterpunch, mm-hmm. you know, just using the shoulder, literally like, it's like a third arm, his yeah. shoulder, yeah. to block shots. I mean, the guy's really, really good. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to dominate Logan Paul, but it's just like, it, it's such a, I don't know. I don't like it. All right. I don't like it. Well, good. Well, I, can't I, I, I did see, by the way, I did see rumors of, um, who did we talk about the other day? Uh, the guy from the UFC that had the Mohawk. What's his name? Khabib? No, 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 no. The old guy from that used to be Oh, Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell. There was like some rumors that Chuck Liddell wanted to fight uh what? Jake Paul. I'm like, Jake Paul, do not do this, my friend. It's not gonna end well. I, that I, guy's I like fifty years old. He's fifty two. Y- yeah. Or something But You know what? Those those dudes, he especially that, that know how to punch. No, he would beat his good ass. Good luck, man. I he mean, would that, beat his ass pretty bad. That guy, I met him once. Did I ever tell you this. You met Chuck Liddell? I met Chuck Liddell. So there was a, as when I was an intern, um, during during B school, I wasn't. I, I got a chance to work for Directv as a as a, my internship, and they would have in the summer once the, you know one day in the summer they would all have this event where they were bringing all their partners that you know that direct Directv you know like HBO like all the networks you know and they would all have like little booths and they would have people that were there. As a matter of fact, oh. there was a guy who won season one of The Apprentice that was there. <laughs> I took a picture of him. <laughs>
1: That's got to be a ba- rare badge of honor
2: to be yeah, the first exactly. person to
1: get fired by Donald Trump. Well,
2: no, no, he—I mean, he won, so he didn't get fired. Oh, sorry, sorry, he won it. Yeah, yeah he I won it. Meant he was on um, the first show. Yeah. I'm sure he got fired like, yeah. seconds yeah. later, but. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Chuck Liddell was there. I forgot what I think he was. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm assuming for Spike TV at the time. Remember what, cause how Spike many years TV ago was, was this? Uh, that was 2005. Oh, no, 2004, maybe. Yeah. So he was. I mean. He was killing like, it. Oh, he was killing it. And yeah. I remember meeting him, and I talked to him about like how he got into it, and you know, like what he had to do. And but you look at that. The dude guy was super nice, but I'm know. like, you, you would just not want to fight that dude. Like you just know by looking at this dude. And it's just there is there is like boxers that I've because I've met also boxers, right? Um, just got a chance to to meet a, a couple of them, and some of them you like, oh, this guy will beat me up. Like I will I'll be scared of this dude. But Chuck Liddell is like, he no, will dude, that's murder a you. fighter. That is a he, fighter. Yeah. Like, that, that is a scary-looking dude.
1: I remember when I first got into, like, mixed martial arts and UFC stuff just to watch it. And I remember seeing that dude fighting at his prime and having the <clears> exact same yeah, expression. It was like, scary. this dude. is just somebody who's going to hurt you really bad. Yeah. Really, really, yeah. really bad. Yeah. So this is a uh, UFC show? Uh, so we doing, no, we can, make, we we're can definitely doing a, do one. We're doing a UFC deep dive. Uh, no, we're talking about... Well, the deep dive, anyway, are yeah,
2: mask, 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 mask mandates, mask mandates, end of mandates. Look, the one. Let's actually let's get into it because there's probably quite a bit to talk about here. So, as most people know now, right? So, last week on Thursday, uh, the CDC gave out new guidelines regarding wearing face masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, their guidelines were specifically, for, for fully vaccinated people, saying that they no longer needed to wear a face mask or stay six feet away from others in most settings. Whether outdoors or indoors, indoors, right. So for fully vaccinated people, there were still going to be some instances where they will still need to wear masks um, in cases such as in healthcare settings or at a business that requires them. By the way, that second one we'll, we'll talk about that. Even if they had their, of course, even if they were fully vaccinated, and also they will also, you know, need to wear a mask on airplanes, buses, trains, and other public transportations. Uh-huh. Now, for those that were that are unvaccinated, they were saying that people should still continue to wear masks adding that, you know, they remain at risk of mild or severe illness, death, and risk of spreading disease to others. Also, people with compromised immune systems should, right, should speak to the doctor first before giving up, you know, giving up their mask. Now, la- last week, um, I'm sorry, this kind of threw me off. My notes were off here.
1: That's okay. You mean you don't know what you're talking about at all times, the, every second of every
2: day, Jesus? How uh, no, dare you? I, uh... Oh, I, know, I see what I did.
1: It's 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 easy to because throw you off your off the trail.
2: Yeah, just because I I didn't delete that that point. Uh, all right. So should I? Where no, should I start? Just, just keep, keep going. going? Yeah uh all right well i guess we're gonna this is a real deal, the real authenticity, deal. Is authenticity is key. so typically i'm pretty organized but that's it's true you are the out. voice of reason on this show
1: you know if you start screwing up like <laughs> that's that, you have a problem can't I just two people not knowing what's going on so
2: yeah so you know part of this announcement right is also a lot related to like, how many people are actually vaccinated right mm-hmm. so according to cdc as of wednesday 5 12 45 or 160 million of u.s adults are fully vaccinated and while another, while 58 almost 59 percent, or 151 million had received at least one dose, mm-hmm. right? Now the Biden administration also announced that it would want that it wanted to have 160 million fully vaccinated. That's from the up from the 116, and up to 70 percent of U.S. adults with at least one dose. most again, right now is just shy of 59 percent by July 4th, right? Now this is, I think, for many people, welcome news. However, The suddenness of all these announcements has also created some immediate problems, right? There is, of course, immediately businesses had to figure out how to implement, right? Which starts to, you know, understand how, which actually actually starts by understanding how local or state officials are going to handle the guidance. Um, And then the question, of course, is how do you really enforce this, right? Unless you start requiring vaccination proof, which is extremely unlikely. And there's also a question, would this encourage or discourage people from getting vaccinated, right? Because one of the big, I see a lot of drive there. And of course, there was also a lot of concern. People were claiming the victory was people were, you know, claiming victory a little too too quickly. And um, also,
1: there's like you know, major questions about right to privacy, medical privacy issues, uh, you know, all these other things. Sure. There's, there's
2: underlying current of that discussion as well. All that stuff, right? So, first of all, I guess the the, the challenge you have is the way that is being implemented this guidance. And I think that for I think I actually say the first thing to remember is this is guidance. Right, the CDC does not set policy for the country or any individual state. They give guidance. Now, then it's up to each individual state to take that guidance and either apply it immediately or not, or, or just do your thing if you're Texas. Like, Hearing, right, like right. Literally say, like, we'll do something else. Right. Um, so Or in, in California, in, which is like, we'll never do it. No, no, no. I already had a plan. Right? They were set for I'm, June 15th. That was, the,
1: that, was, that was the case. I'm using your exaggeration on one right. side to an exaggeration on the other.
2: Uh, so, hours after the announcement, a mm-hmm. number of states immediately announced they would you know, put, out the guidance, put the guidance in place, which included Connecticut, Illinois, Kentucky, Nevada, Oregon, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, and Washington State. That's, of course, as mentioned, in addition to the states that already had done it, right? Like Texas and Florida uh, had already basically re- removed the mask mandate uh, and left it in entirely for individual businesses to decide what they wanted to do. Uh, they have a bunch of other ones that have joined since. Um, there's others, by the way, that are being more cautious and saying they're going to keep their mandates for now, have not given no guidance, like Hawaii and Massachusetts. And then there's like California, who had previously already announced that they were going to open, fully open up, which includes removing mass mandates by June 15th. And they're saying basically they're going to take a look at it and see if they need to make any, any adjustments. Yeah, they're just going to leave it alone, sounds like. Probably. I think it's probably close enough that they're probably going to leave it <clears throat> alone. The, mm-hmm. the, the challenge, I think, that this really creates a problem for is for private companies, right? Mm-hmm. It puts them in a really oh, difficult
1: situation. That's one of a 72-prong right. um, problem. Yeah.
2: It's hard to, of course, to enforce local state policy when CDC guidelines, uh, guidance varies mm-hmm. in a very state by state, right? Like, good luck trying to enforce mass mandates with, with customers. It was already very difficult as it was, even mm-hmm. when there was consistency between CDC guidelines and how the state was handling it. Um, also, how to handle policy with employees? That's just one of the big, big issues, right? Because businesses need to adhere to not just CDC guidelines, but first and foremost to local and state guidelines, and also to OSHA guidelines, mm-hmm. right? Of how, like, you know, basically how to treat employees. And when you have a mixed workforce, meaning those that are vaccinated versus those that are not, that are versus are not, you know, employee, employers will need to accommodate for both vaccinated and unvaccinated employees, right. depending on what they're, you know, comfortable with. And what does this mean for reopening offices, right? One of the first things that you saw from this is some companies being very vocal, saying, hey, great. That means they are all coming back to offices, and that's the case. But you can't just automatically just do that because— Other people are just in the exact opposite, which right. is like, this changes nothing. So there's exactly. a lot of—there's so a big there's mix. all these yeah. issues that are there, right? And once again, do you start to require vaccination proof of your employees? Like, good luck with that, right? Um, and, and President then, Biden waited in on this, too. Well, for sure yeah you want to want to talk about what his comments well was? his his uh,
1: it sounded like I mean I kind of joke he'd taken a page out of uh, president Trump's uh, former president Trump's uh, strategy he issued a dumb tweet too <laughs> and that is the rule is now simple get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do period the choice is yours period like and mm-hmm. the response to this I mean we could do an entire show on on you know funny, tragic, ill, you know, all these different responses. I've come across so many of them, but anyway, he issued the rule as either you're vaccinated or you wear a mask until you do. And the choice is yours. And the first thing that came to mind for me, which actually Mm -hmm. um, it was in a conversation I had with my wife was so, and that means that people under that kind of guidance, the folks who are wearing a mask, we can assume have not been vaccinated. What does that mean for their own medical privacy? And what does that mean for, the bad behavior that some people may take out on those people because they haven't been vaccinated. Because now they're going to
2: be real easy to identify. I mean, yeah. It it also, I mean, the the challenge with this is the polarization of of even your health. I mean, wearing a mask is something that in some Asian populations, they've been doing that forever. That's another point. Right? Like that's unrelated to necessarily to COVID. Or maybe you have a cold. Maybe you've been vaccinated, but you have the flu and you want to wear a
1: mask. And now for that... sure.
2: I mean, yeah, for sure. And I mean, what I find kind of interesting in this situation is like, look, like I think we're all pick and choose what we want to hear, what we want to mm-hmm. see. All of a sudden, you have those people that are, are, are big believers of the CDC, all of a sudden, like, no, 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 but the, but the CDC, you know, they put the guidelines. So exactly. what, what am I, like, why do, would I have to follow anything that California right. law, LA law, yeah. you know, LA County law has about this because the CDC are really like, oh, right. oh, really? You're a big believer of CDC? Prior to last week? Right, exactly. Interesting. Now, now I believe it. I, exa- and we I've seen it already firsthand. Like, uh, mm-hmm. on a personal level, even my daughter's uh, gymnastics school, mm-hmm. there were signs everywhere saying that now, according to CDC guideline, you know, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Well, that's not according to L.A. County law, mm-hmm. right? The, which is the actual policy, but that's the thats a, the immediate confusion this creates. Yeah, And and this is the case. I was at my,
1: my boy's soccer games this weekend, and I saw a ton of people outside without without masks. First time in a long time, you could tell got this news and we're like, okay, good. I'm sure. good. sure, even though they live in a place that hasn't, to your point, made yeah. that same determination. And I
2: think it's one thing when you're all outside, but that's this is probably hel- a lot easier. But when you're dealing with a school yeah. with kids who cannot get vaccinated, who are all younger than 12 years old, who do not even, even an option to get right. vaccinated, who you have some kids that are compromised right. or part of that part of that class. It's a problem to yeah. simply all of to just kind of put that put that out there and say okay great because of CDC guidelines that we're not we're just going to let it you know people and in hope that they're doing it by the way right? right because that's the other you know problem with it is that there's a hope that people are being honest about whether or not they're doing it and right and, and this, this is an this is why I think that President Biden's tweet is so regrettable is that because
1: of all the things we just identified a few things right so like people who are not vaccinated who would be wearing masks, people who are Asian who maybe culturally have a propensity to want to wear a mask more often, people who are sick with something other than COVID who have been vaccinated but are wearing a mask. There's at least three, if not, there's probably 300 categories of people who might be wearing masks. But under this rule is now simple, get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do, the choice is yours, which sounds decidedly like a threat. It's just, it just, it puts people in that category of other, it puts people in that category of there's something wrong with you. And I just have a big problem with it. And I also think that the other thing that I have a question about is, or I don't know if I have the same challenge, but I have a question about mm-hmm. is people who wear a mask outside. Like if you're vaccinated, uh, you, I'm sorry, people who are not wearing a mask outside who have been vaccinated can still be carrying COVID.
2: Yeah, cor- correct. Right, but, but I think one one of the the research that they found it's part of the reason why they've changed the guidance because they found that people that are vaccinated, even if they're infected, their likelihood of infecting other people is significantly lower hmm. which is the reason why the new guidance is is for them because even though this is, is a, you know what, what it was the percentage that I just said right now that fully vaccinated is a 40 45 percent yeah right so you don't have um, uh, like like mass you know, vaccination for the for the whole uh, country but the that's part of the reason why I think they changed the guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, is is because of that? Because of they found that that in this case, if they are vaccinated, that they're a lot less likely to f- infect other people. Um, which is why they do it for both outdoor and indoor. Because I, I think there was already like rumors that they were going to open it up for outdoor, for and outdoor. Then it was also for for indoor. I think the thing with and, the by, business, by the way, and mm-hmm. going back to the Biden tweet, look, I, I, I could never understand how someone would take offense to how he said to, to how he said it. But frankly, this is the problem with trying to govern through Twitter. You cannot. We literally went through four years of policy, yeah, through Twitter, yeah, Mm -hmm. through Twitter. I mean, let's be honest, like majority of policy through mm -hmm. Twitter, like it is not a forum to give nuance. Yeah, he literally he took an announcement and made it really short, and no matter even shorter, even shorter, sure, it could have gone bigger. Even if you're trying to no matter how you put it, it's just you're gonna miss something in that by, by doing it that way. Like at least Twitter should not be, face should or something. Not be just a something. It seems like such a the platform to yeah. use to govern.
1: Yeah, or to your point, or even the CDC, right? The CDC is national guidance based on like right. big numbers, but people don't live in all these big swaths, they live in towns and they live in cities and they live in zip codes, and
2: it's like what's going on in your neck of the woods should be a driver. Right. And one of the things that we saw, of course, even in the previous administration is that the president does not set policy for how states govern, especially for, for health matters. Yep, Those are state issues, right? Yep. And and that's the... So even how much real power that has of him saying that, it's just... It's, it's bad for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, the other point that I was kind of interesting is the dynamic of what does this actually do in terms of either... Uh, of really impacting the vaccination rate, right? Like most places already have major slowdowns. Um, I think mostly driven by the people that really wanted to get vaccinated you know, ha- now have the ability to do and it's pretty accessible. Yeah. Um, I think some states are getting super creative. Did you hear about the one of Ohio, what they're doing? No. They're giving, <laughs> they're giving away a million dollars on the state of Ohio. <laughs> they're giving away a million dollars to five of its residents um, that so the they golden, get vaccinated. The golden ticket. The golden vaccine. Right. It's like, like a lottery, basically, that they're yeah. doing, right? But in order to enter, you got to get vaccinated. So they're trying to figure out all kinds of ways there was an article that uh, that we it's looked at with uh Dr. Scott G- Gottlieb, I guess uh, Gottlieb, who, Gottlieb, okay, mm-hmm. who's the former U.S. Food and Drug Administration commissioner, who you know who said that he thinks that the guidance will actually create a pretty strong incentive for people to get vaccinated. And he said, and I quote, "I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bump in the number of people going out to get vaccinated because now being vaccinated provides more value. You can go around in a mask in an honest, you go around in a mask in an honest fashion." What? He couldn't be more wrong. I, don't, or I, I, I think he meant he, he could go around without a mask. Without a mask. Without a mask. In yeah, he but, could not be more wrong about, about that statement. But
1: by the way, though, this is the part, that, this is the part where, like, again, you, t- you said the, earlier... The naivety that t- that's
2: with people is like, you could not be more wrong about well, that statement.
1: But not only that, but just... I've heard that now, not just by this. I've heard from, like, a number of people. It's like, this will be an incentive to have people get vaccinated. The fact that they don't have to be wearing masks anymore, right? Let's... Uh, the underlying point that you're making is the motivations for people are different. That would mean that that really isn't valuable to them, to a, to a, a I big think swath it, of people, right?
2: For sure. My 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 point is that someone that doesn't not want to get vaccinated. They're simply not using the they're fact using a mask to begin with for the most or, part or, or tried as much as they can to like yeah well but you and i have seen yeah. the 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 what's it called the cigar shop of the oh, guy yeah, where that like he was not having it he was not even like please someone tell like me an, something that was like tell, in
1: april or may s- tell me something we, somebody. Walked into, we walked into this cigar shop and uh there was a dude who i guess owns it or runs it right and this was back in, like in the thick of it this was may or whatever right. it was and he
2: was just not even
1: not even trying. Not even trying. Not apologizing. No masks, No nothing. Come on in. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so I you think know. you
2: have that. I actually think there could be a case. But here's my
1: point. Though. Um. Let me do it really quickly. So um, the point though about that Paul, uh, the G- Dr. Gottlieb, is um, that Rand Paul. One of the exchanges that he had with Dr. Fauci, Uh not this last one, but the one before that, was saying, look, you're coming in here, you're vaccinated, everybody in this chamber is vaccinated, and you got two masks on, you're doing it just for show. Like, there's no reason for you to have a mask on. And in fact, if you want to motivate people to get the vaccine more, you should tell them that they won't have to wear a mask if they do. Yeah. But fauci, like f- kind of fought him on that. It seemed like it was ridiculous logic. then now I'm seeing it everywhere as like, oh, it's a great idea. it's gonna so i it just proves <clears throat> to me again that we're hearing things or seeing things based on perspectives and points of views that you know are are, are, are to me political in nature it seems well uh,
2: yeah i mean i think the those all those debates between fauci um and rand paul's a medical doctor and too, rand right? paul have been pretty interesting to think to see and i could if you see it from a political lens they're very cringeworthy if, yeah. you, if even if you take a rational view i can see in cases where rand paul is making a clear point that fauci is just fighting them on right yeah. and and um one of the I remember one of the times they were they were having this conversation. And he's asking, "Okay, th- then tell me till when? Like, when will people not be able to to, to wear masks? Like, what needs to happen? How many people are you to get see? Like, tell me, Give when. me a number." And, and at no point, it almost like you know that. freshman did not want to actually respond to that question. And now, and mm-hmm. then the way it was presented in the news, like somehow he didn't answer the question. Now, actually, no, he didn't actually answer the question. And it was yeah, he was being a kind of an ass about the way he was asking it, but it was still the fair question that he's asking, mm-hmm. right? But but I think going back to what you're saying. Part of the challenge that I that I that I see in this is to the degree that you let the scientists do the research to find the findings to be able to communicate those findings to people and say yes, now now we can do this because now we've done an actual study, right? And I think there is definitely a delay here that we're seeing between policy guidance and actual research that's happening in real time. And in, and in this case, at least, if I understood it correctly, when when it was being announced, part of this came from research that they had just completed that now gave more confidence to say, hey, now we have looked at people that have been vaccinated for a little bit longer to say, it turns out that there, once you are fully vaccinated, you really are not as contagious anymore because you can still get sick. And that was always a concern is even if vaccinated, you could still get But COVID I think that's part of the and problem. See what I'm saying?
1: I, yeah, but, but, but I agree with you, what you just said that like, look, the, the this is a moving puck, like, uh, or moving, whatever the expression is, is this is something that is evolving. It develops. We learn more about it. We understand it. We like, you know, we may be wrong about something we say now, right. but but that's not the, at least to, to my mind, the approach that we've taken under either administration. It's been very much about Dr. Fauci says that it, it's got to be true. And like the reality of it is, is that that's the reason why we get into these binary things. If, if we had said something like, listen, at least if they had said it more prominently, I just don't remember seeing it. We're learning as we go along, and there's a lot of things we don't know. We're going to tell you this right now because it's based on the best evidence that we have. But next week when the new study comes out, like you just said, maybe that's going to change. I think people would be less likely to be binary about this I think that,
2: yeah. And i definitely seen the binary point of view as it relates to this thing. Look, how many times have you heard people complain? Well, Dr. Fauci said we didn't have to wear a mask, and then he said we did. The part that they always leave out about that about that statement is when he was talking about it was like in January of 2020 where he says, the moment this becomes airborne, that we will have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But until we figure that out, there, there's no reason to, to, to wear a mask. And that yeah. caveat, which is super critical to the conversation, everyone leaves out and like, well, you said it one time that it wasn't. And now you say we are. So now we can't believe anything. Right. And that's, by the way, that's like a Joe Rogan quote. This is part of, not that I want to go into Joe Rogan rant, but like this is part of the issue with this is there's such loss of nuance. But I agree with you. I think maybe part of communicating this better would be to simply say that, is that you want to be clear in your messaging. And frankly, sometimes being clear in your messaging with nuance is really hard because people just ignore the rest of the nuance. Then just issue the disclaimer the, every time. the orientation time. has been more of a like, let's, let's f- focus on clarity without giving nuance because nuance just confuses people. And, and frankly, I think in some cases it is a mistake because then you do make it feel like Is never going to change or is set in stone, which in reality it isn't because you are getting new information all the time, right? That could change the dynamic Mm -hmm. of how you treat this thing. Do you think that a lot of these guys, though, who are, you
1: know, the state spokesman immunologist or, you know, the government doctor kind of feel like they can't issue that disclaimer because then somehow they lose credibility? You think there's like a personal part of this on any level?
2: I don't know. I mean, the the disclaimer, I mean, I think to me, that example with Dr. Fauci initially saying that you didn't need to wear a mask until it became airborne. Like that soundbite has been like played and played so much to discredit anything that he's ever said because he was wrong about it. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, you know, like I'm not saying the guy's been right about everything. I'm simply saying that that statement mean came lesser, with context. Right as to what he was saying and how the, then the basically the elements changed were now you say hey now it is airborne and we have proven that it is airborne so therefore we got to right. change that. More like it more like proving it's airborne it was always right, airborne right 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 yeah, right. Yeah. yeah but but saying like it wasn't yeah. at the, it wasn't clear at the time that that was going you know, to like a, a major way of people you know contacting it from 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 each other cuz remember right. was like everything like on surfaces and people were super concerned
1: yeah the other thing that this brings I mean, up that's, though that's part of this discussion here. Yeah, there could be
2: some of that i think there could be also yeah. be some personal Concerns of credibility because there's so much.
1: Like, I'm the guy, so I have to, or the gal, I have to speak authoritatively right. on this. And if I issue that kind of disclaimer, maybe it, people will be like, well, what are you good for? The other thing that's really interesting to me about this is the kind of corners it forces people into philosophically. So, you know, here's one as an example. It's always helpful to look at the kind of caricatures, right? One of them is this idea that masks don't minimize transmissibility of something. The reality is, of course they do. Right. That's why you wear a mask in an operating room. That's why you, you know, put on a mask if you're going to be working with a heavy dust or allergen environment. Because it minimizes, it creates a barrier between you and the outside world. That's always true. Mm -hmm. However, you can also make that case if you take it out into infinity that wearing two masks is better than one. And three is better than two and four is better than three. Mm-hmm. You can always map these things out into the different extremes. And so I think what, what all of this discussion has also forced us to look at is the reality of what is an acceptable level of risk that I'm willing to have in my own life. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, that is a very personal decision.
2: Yeah, there's I people, agree with that.
1: There's people who walk on tight ropes. I can show you the stats of like, you know what? Most people that do that end up dead. It's like, yeah, but I choose to do that or people who choose to get launched out of rockets or choose to parachute or choose to be pilots. I mean, there's those are individual things. But what I'm saying is now we're setting to me, it seems like a, disc, uh, a measure of here's people on some level who are more conscientious or better or whatever it is and people who are less so. And I just think that that's. Really unfortunate and that ultimately it doesn't, I'm not expressing it well, but doesn't capture the diversity of people's approach to living, period, just life. Because if you just based it on the transmissibility barrier thing, you should always wear a mask forever because the data show that it's a little bit better. Marginally better if you're a healthy person, but you should always wear it, but that's not the point. The point shouldn't be can I prove it's marginally better or marginally worse, but that we have a chance to live our own lives in the way that we see fit? I think that's the issue
2: or yeah one of them I think the the way that i that I sort of look at the question is, is sort of twofold one is is of course, what we're talking about here is pandemics that that can be very quickly sort of engulf a population right uh, and the impact that it has by reducing some percentage of that transmissibility. Does it help that population basically be able to deal with the with the growth of that? I mean, this is the Correct. problem that India is having right now, Correct, frankly, right? And that different parts of the world has had multiple different times. And there's a balancing act between that and then the personal choices that people make about Correct. what level of risk they have. I mean, to the point is like, if we use just risk, we should never drive. People die in car accidents all the time, right? Or you can say, I should never wear a seatbelt. Because the reality is, in my entire life, I've been in... X number of accidents, maybe one or two. And in those, the SIBO probably didn't make much of a, that much of a difference. So now that we have a... So you could sort of nitpick I these know. things back and forth. I know. Um, and I think that the, the, my orientation with all this is kind of goes back to how I thought about this for a while, which is to what degree can we have either enough control of, of how quickly this thing is spreading, enough controls of people being able to like not get other people in- infected that allows the majority of people to get back to some level of normal that, that helps improve consumer confidence so people are out there consuming, buying whatever they need to be doing, being able to work, et cetera, so that people can live, live their lives. And I think that's the maybe the orientation. So I, I actually like the fact that even though it's not great how it was done, even though it could have been better, better communicated prior to to say, hey, this new study may be coming out in the next couple of weeks that we think may change the dynamic. I think, that, frankly, would if there's anything that I would love to see better, it's a little bit of foreshadowing to say, hey, guys, we have some stuff that With we're working on right now yeah. that... If you're a business, listen. It may change the rules. We're gonna see what what happens here. But if it does, something you start thinking about is that we may reduce those restrictions. And if you're a business, you start coordinating first. Like, remember what are your state and local laws are? are what actually drives how you run that business? And then second, they're saying that population may think differently about this, so you guys start adjusting for the, for these things. If that if that happens, some heads up. And I think that's the part that I think it feels like a pendulum swing back and forth. And I think that's what you know gets everyone. I'll, you know, unhinged,
1: unhinged, and I'm sure there'll be more to talk about on this subject. But we got to move on, Jesus, to courage or cringe. So we'll leave the, we'll take our masks off, and uh, leave them to the side as we uh, dive into this week's topic. It's a fun bunch. Why don't, uh, why don't we get started? So we've got the NFL. We've got uh, what was the second thing? Golden Globes. Golden Globes. That's right. And we have uh, the Congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene the kind of uh, I was I was thinking about the there's Superman there's like the crazy looking superman what was
2: it bizarro is his name right bizarro so bizarro. you got aoc
1: and bizarro <laughs> and depending on where you stand on the spectrum <laughs> yeah i guess bizarro well, <laughs> or superman is either one of them It, it they could flop right it yeah, could it could it so flip quite, flop so yeah, quite yeah. quite the colorful assortment so i think we start with the nfl right courage or cringe yes yeah,
2: so so we're a little different though we're going to start with framing out what is the courage or cringe nice. and then we'll get into you know uh, into the actual details. So courage or cringe? Okay, black NFL players call for the end of an algorithm that assumes black men have lower cognitive abilities. By so the way, the j- it, just on that headline alone, I was, was going like, to say, oof. That's a tough that one. That cannot be good. That's a, <laughs> that's a real that headline, be good. by the way. That's a, that's so, so
1: then, is it courageous or cringe worthy that the NFL players, mm-hmm. some players, ex-players, yeah. Ex-players yeah. have called for an end of this algorithm that assumes a cognitive...
2: Deficiency in black men. (laughs) Sounds pretty uncontroversial. I don't know how we're going to make an argument out of this. Let's talk about it. Yep. So as reported by the Associated Press, first of all, this kind of goes back a little bit, right? So back in 2013, the NFL settled the lawsuit. Now, this is the lawsuit they were getting when they were being accused that they actually knew that there was a link between concussions and brain damage, and they they hit that from players, right? But as part of the settlement, the NFL (laughs) agreed to pay... 765 million over 65 years for certain diagnoses, including Alzheimer's disease and dementia. right? It's like basically
1: $10 million a year, 11, 12, 12 yeah, million. Yeah, which is a huge,
2: huge deal. It's actually, right. There was a film with uh, Will Smith, right? That, that he plays the doctor that actually brought this to light. Oh really? I forget what it's called. Yeah, it's like a a doctor from. He's not American. He wasn't American. He was somewhere else. Uh, it was very, very controversial in terms of what he, when he brought it up. But right. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him who plays who plays that role. Anyways, um, but now Doctor
1: Bennett Omalu.
2: There you go. There you go. Uh, behind it, it's, where was he
1: uh, from? He is from. Well, that name is uh, sounds like West African, but uh, he's Nigerian. Look at Nigerian. that. I oh, got well nailed well it. Done. Well okay, Nigerian, and the and the movie is
2: 2015 film called. Concussion, Ah, appropriately starring Will Smith. Thank you very much. I was was right. I just did not know the details. Uh, So now thousands of retired black NFL players are demanding an end to the controversial use of race norming, which is used many times to determine which players are eligible for payout in the NFL's settlement for brain injury claims. Right. So basically, this is who qualifies to get some of that money. Right. basically for this, yeah. So the okay. NFL agreed once again to pay seven hundred sixty-five million dollars right, right over sixty-five years. But then, in terms of which player like directly is right. able to make a claim, right, is is based on this test that they do on them to depend to, to determine what is the the sort of drop in their in their cognitive uh, ability uh, ability. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, race norming is a practice that is sometimes used in medicine as rough as a rough proxy for socioeconomic factors that can affect someone's health. Right now. That race-based adjustments for neurology is known as Heaton norms, Heaton norms, which was designed in the early 1990s by Dr. Robert Heaton. Uh, but I love the people that people name things after themselves. I know. Uh, to estimate how when social it's kind of controversial too. Right. Like, I to wouldn't esti- want to have this one named exactly. after me. Right. You know? To estimate how socioeconomic factors affect someone's health, right? Now, part of the controversy here is that the the way that this was set up, this this study was done, is that uh, Dr. Heaton, he used a small group of black um, uh, individuals, right, that he chose to create this as Josephine Protocol. Uh, and they all came entirely from the San Diego area, which is a military town where, you know, black population hardly reflected really the diversity of what black Americans look across the U.S. Also, the racial classification are very binary. Like you're either black or you're white, even though hundreds of NFL retirees and, and frankly, millions of Americans identify as mixed race, right? Mm hmm. Right. So the way that it works with the NFL with the settlement is in order for an ex player to be part of the settlement, the NFL has to determine that their cognitive decline is enough of a decline for them as a player to qualify for them to, for them to be part of the settlement. Right. And that is basically where the issue lies. Right. The NFL uses the scoring algorithm on the dementia testing that assumes that black men start with lo- lower cognitive skills than white players, which is based on this role, race norming adjustment. Right. So, adjustment, let's, so, okay, right? so, so
1: let, let, let's pause for a second. So basically, there's there mm. in order to determine who gets what portion of what of this settlement the NFL has to dole this money out in some way right part of that is who qualifies qual- right part of part of that is qualifying for it and the ruler that they use to determine that qualification is in some way influenced by this algorithm that assumes that black men start with a lower cognitive well, skill the, than white players. Yeah,
2: let, let me let me put it a different way. So basically, every player that wants to be considered for this settlement to be part of the settlement has to go through this cognitive test because that, they have to show NFL damage, doing, right? They have to NFL show like what what the, right. what so the impact is. L- let's let's it a really simplistic turn, right? Based on this cognitive test, let's say you rank at a five, mm-hmm. right? We should like okay. Well, that's, you got to do
1: me like that. Why can't it be twelve? Um, whatever, 100. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
2: It's relative speed. speak. Yeah. Yeah. at a hundred, to five it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's say you rank at a hundred right? What they're saying, okay, based on your age,
1: mm-hmm.
2: on your ethnicity, right? Then where should you be based on your age and all these different factors? Is 100 considered normal or is it lower than normal? Got right? it. And what they're doing here is that they set the standard where the starting point is to black men, they basically are, are not putting it the exact same right. on par. I understand let's say that. The, So let's, the, say the let's say the baseline is 100. Is, let's, say, let's, sure, say, let's say the baseline is 100. So the black men are at 80. And and when they do the test, they test you, let's say it's 60, right? As an right. example. You test okay. at 60. But if you're black, you're saying, yeah, yeah, but your baseline is actually 80 because we're doing this race-norming adjustment Right, based on the study that this that this doctor made. Mm-hmm. Instead of using the hundred, so therefore your decline is only twenty rather than being 40 So we don't owe you
1: a hundred we don't we don't owe you a lot of money, we owe you less money or, or you or you don't, even qualify. you don't even qualify. Or you don't even qualify. Right. Which is actually the
2: bigger issue, right? Right.
1: Because you were starting off pretty bad. So the fact that you lost some brain <laughs> cells, it's not that bad. It's like really bad That's stuff. Super this bad, thing. yeah, yeah.
2: Now keep in mind that almost seventy players uh, you know, in the NFL are black, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot 70%. of these- 70%. Re- 70%, I'm sorry. 70%, I mean, 70% mm-hmm. of the players in the NFL are black. So a lot of people that are going to be, frankly, impacted um, by these cognitive declines are going to be, you know, right. black players, right? right? Or ex-black players. Now, of the 2,000 retired players who have sought awards for yeah. early or moderate, um, like declines in cognitive you know, ability, only about 25% of them have actually qualified under the testing program. Now, right now, there is no so breakout. So, one out of four. One out of four. Now, there is no breakout in race in those who have qualified, but it will be super interesting. Yeah, of course. To then look and see, well, how many, Like, how does that actually break out mm. relative to the... I mean, that's essence, you should think, well, if the 70% has sort of been consistently, then you would assume that mm-hmm. 25% of the 2,000, right, with like or 500, 70% of them roughly should be African-American. Right. Otherwise, something is off here. Right. Right? Give or take, right? Now, according to Catherine Posen, a neurology professor, she said because every black retired NFL player has to perform lower on the test to qualify for an award than every white player. That's essentially systematic racism in determining these payouts. Now that practice actually triggered a civil rights lawsuit, right? And while the suit was dismissed by the judge overseeing the settlements, it's a a judge that basically oversees how this money gets paid out to, to players, right? Mm -hmm. The judge has now ordered the league and players to come back to the table to work on an agreement. Now, Look, I'm reading into this, so, but I think part yeah. of the reason why that got dismissed of the suit is because this is an actual settlement between the player, I'm sure, the Players Union and the NFL. Right. Of which they agreed on the how, the the, the what, the how they were going to go about it. And frankly, this seems like a massive miss of not realizing this was going to be part of the way that the NFL was going to look at trying to basically do this kind of testing. Right. And therefore, not having to pay <clears> as much <throat> of this money out to, to players, right? Right. Right. Now, Norman by race is not the stance of the NFL ought to take, said Dr. Art Kaplan, right, which is a New York University medical ethicist, right? It continues to look at as if it's trying to exclude people rather than trying to do what's right, which is to help people that clinically have an obvious and severe disability. This sounds like it's all about money to me. I mean, look. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically it is, right? I think it it all comes down to money.
1: Where did the concept of this cognitive adjustment come from? This idea? I know it's Heaton. But, yeah. how, like, what was, in other words, how did that get incorporated into this NFL process? You know,
2: the, when we looked at this this piece by the Associated Press. It didn't actually get into that. But, like, yeah. if I'm going to make an assumption as to where that came from, where, look, because I think part of it is if you have, if you look at a very black and white version of this, you say, like, there is a zero scenario where this should ever happen. This sounds like pure racism. Like, stop it. Right. Now. I think part of the reason why there this is actually being included, now, of course, the NFL has a very clear you know, incentive to have less people qualify so that they pay less money, but part of what the study that sort of speaks to, which, by the way, has now come into controversy of saying, like, hey, maybe this is a very overly simplistic way of looking at yeah. at the impact that race even has on mm-hmm. people's ability for the reason that we mentioned. Right. But there is something to be said about what well, how, how do people race and socioeconomic background actually have impacts their impact cognitive their, ability their, their their health in but general that, not I, just I, cognitive ability and right? i think
1: that's the controversy with this topic is because you know we talk about it in the context of courage or cringe it's hard to argue this particular issue anything other than courageous in terms of them asking to have this right. removed but then you have to ask yourself like what is the controversy and for me part of the controversy is it seems to me that this heaton person or this heaton thing to begin with is something that maybe well-intentioned, was organized as a way to say— Maybe in some scenarios it could be valuable, right? Maybe it could be in some scenarios, but it seems like people were saying, look, we have different socioeconomic uh, backgrounds. We've got different um, home and familial unit backgrounds on average. We've got a different kind of historical legacy than the other population. Therefore, these things play a practical role in our ability for cognitive development. That seems to make sense to me, but that's an argument for it. Here it's an argument against it. And so it's, you know, is the controversy the, you know, kind of cake and eat it too sort of scenario where it's like, we're either for this saying, hey, we have to bear in mind that people come from different places and we have to account for that. It's kind of like the argument for affirmative action. Or... No, that shouldn't exist, and people should be, should be level set against each other for the purposes <clears throat> right. of all these things.
2: It seems like we could be arguing both things. You could, right? I think part of where the controversy is, what we don't have here is enough examples of what are the pros of having this. Mm-hmm. What are the practical applications of actually saying, how does this help this community? How does right. this help provide more services, more attention, address some of these gaps— because, frankly, the only thing that we're seeing right now is a version that says, like, as a matter of fact, even if it had good intent at the beginning, the reality is what we're seeing here is that it's a pretty negative effect of how the NFL, frankly, is using this opportunistically to just not have to pay more money, right, for the settlement, right? For finding ways to literally re- reject everyone. And in part, if you take the grand majority of players, of the ethnicity of players that play in the NFL and saying that we're going to start your threshold to even participate is going to be significantly higher than anybody else then that sounds like a you know way that the NFL will save us a lot of money. So I don't know. Maybe there are some scenarios there. I'm sure there is. Like, as an example, if, mm-hmm. if this research was done as a way to justify additional funding to provide medical resources, support for underserved communities that are more diverse, then you can say this actually served a purpose of showing how literally the condition that people that are diverse are living under has a direct impact on even their cognitive ability – like their health, even as young people and kind of going forward, I think that could be really interesting research. But but we're not seeing that version of that here. But if you agree that there has been a cognitive impact to people
1: based on how they're raised, generally speaking, and I agree with that in general, again, kind of using groups, but I think we have to look at individuals, which is part of the problem here is we're really talking about groups. But if we agree that there is some cognitive um, impact to this, then how can we, in this case, say that that cognitive difference doesn't
2: matter? Right. I I think there's the is the difference between something being directional versus being um like in this case being formulaic, right? Directional. I think we could probably agree. Like, hey, could I see a scenario where someone's ethnicity, if you you know all things being yeah. equal, has a direct line correlation because they're more likely to grow up in poverty, more likely to have less access to healthcare. More likely to have two working parents, like yeah. all the reasons that could have an impact in someone's health, even from a young age. Directionally, I get it. I think the problem here is because it's actually part of a formula for a payout. Then it's too broad the and too general. Outcome is negative for people involved in the in a the, the scenario. There is no positive right. view of, of how that's being. Actually I think being. I understand that. So the
1: idea is directionally, as a rule of thumb, as a generality, as an average. And for use cases that rely on generality, generalities, averages, and rules of thumb, sure. it works. On on a use case that relies on a very specific instance, like in this case, we're talking about somebody's brain, right. not a bunch of brains, one person's brain. It's not the kind of thing that we should use. Is what your argument is? Yeah,
2: that is my argument. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that, that the article talked about is that even in as it relates to the fund for for nine eleven victims, like they didn't use any other factors. It was like everyone was treated. Everyone that was impacted by it was treated the exact same way. Yeah. Right. By the um, way, I didn't see that argument
1: in any of the stuff we talked about. That's actually a pretty cogent ar- argument from my, my standpoint. It's like certain of these data are to be used in use cases that are general, and certain of these data right. are to be used in use cases that are specific. In this case, we're trying to use a general use case into a specific case. That's why it doesn't work. Like, right. That, that, I that think seems that's, like that's math. a good way to, yeah. And I, I don't even know math.
2: <laughs> that's actually pretty good. I agree with that. You know, algorithms. Every every time you think algorithm, you think about Facebook probably. Yeah. <laughs> so so it sounds like your courage on this, Charlie, I'm with courage the black on NFL this. players calling for an yeah. algorithm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm on the same point. I think for the reasons we, we discussed, it's this is one where it is just tough to make an argument, sort of seeing the other side of this of how you can really justify because it does really does feel that the the NFL in this case is being advantageous in their very specific application of a broad rule of thumb that that have, you know, maybe a study, once again, even if it had legitimacy and why it was created, I don't think the intent of Dr. Heaton in this case was ever for this to be used prescriptive in in such a unique case. I
1: think that these things are, you know, on some level always economically driven, but the one argument in defense of the NFL is like, hey, we've already, we've already um, earmarked the money. So it can't be economic. We've already said 765 over 65 years. The, so so yeah, but what happens if you committed?
2: Yeah, but what happens if you if you literally go through that? Yes, that's a great question. Like what after, after ten years, nobody you gets don't have enough money. Then then you do what? Right. I don't know. That, right. I mean, I'm then, sure. I'm sure there has to be some clause in there that says, hey, yeah. you have to donate towards research. Or, or what if there's only ten dudes that
1: apply? That's like each <laughs> of them gets seventy six million dollars <laughs> over the next exactly. sixty five years. It's also that this is it's, it's, it's a long period of time too. Yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, still yeah. a monster amount of money. Okay, so we're getting off to a Momentous, illustrious start with agreement on the courageousness. Maybe less controversial than what we thought. um, Yeah, well, no, but I think the way you framed it makes a lot of sense to me. So you know, I just wish the
2: writers of the article would
1: have done the same. All right, next Golden Golden Globes, slightly more controversy on this. So,
2: courage or cringe on Golden Globes being canceled for twenty twenty two. By uh, NBC. So that's okay. the Courage Cringe. Okay? Is it
1: courageous or cringeworthy that the NBC
2: canceled the Golden Globes? Golden Globes. Got it. Uh, okay. So as reported by Deadline, there will be no Golden Globes on NBC by you know next year. Now, this is a report to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association um, continuing to falter in reforming itself to the satisfaction of Hollywood studios and stakeholders as it relates to their diversity representation. Do you have a problem, by the way, with that just at the outset? Like, to the satisfaction of Hollywood studios and stakeholders? Like, isn't well, it a little well, that's bit... The... <laughs> I think if there's controversy in this, it's some of the like talking to both sides of your mouth. Like, really, this is all of a sudden super important. Really, Hollywood studios, right? You, you're, and stakeholders for that matter, right? Like, yeah. so the yeah, so we'll get into that. But, I, but I think mm-hmm. that's the part where you're like, hmm, there's something about this that sure. doesn't feel quite right. Sure. Now, according to Comcast, which is the parent company of NBC, uh, they said we continue to believe that the HFPA. Uh, is committed to meaningful reform. However, change of this magnitude takes time and work, and we feel strongly that the HFPA needs time to do it right. As such, NBC will not air the 2022 Golden Globes. Assuming that the organization executes on its plan, we are hopeful that we will be in a position to air the show in January 2023. What does
1: the Hollywood Foreign Press Association have anything to do with the Golden? Globes? Like, what is that? The, the name the is ones so. That, b- I know they. Yeah. Und- I know they're the. Ba- they are the, the thing. But it's just like such a I never understood why dissonance thing for me.
2: It really, it really, like it, it screams, you know, elitism,
1: elite, it, it, international, it, it just global.
2: Like, 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 I mean, everything that, and we wonder why no one watches award shows. Like, well, there's another reason. That's it's just it's so disconnected. while people, this is like one of those like movies. What was it? Uh, what was the little or, little yellow
1: things? Universal. The little what's it called? The little uh, animated thing with the what was it that? Uh, you, what the yellow universal? The little yellow creatures on the Universal movie that. Oh, man, this is like a franchise of theirs. They did a bunch of them. Oh, I you're talking
2: remember. about... Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the, the, the little... Um, the Minions. The Minions, yeah. So
1: in the Minions, there's like the evil international bad guy with like, you know, the like, yeah, trench yeah, coat yeah. and all that stuff. This is what I envision when I think of the Hollywood <laughs> Foreign Press Association. Just <laughs> sure like a lot, of, a lot of people, vaguely French, smoking yellow cigarettes, having like I mean, a latte for, for me, somewhere.
2: The, you know what I mean? Yeah, for me, the most memorable part of Golden Globes... It's just that people go to the awards show and they just get hammered, and it's just it's just like seeing celebrities get never hammered. Been. in the middle of a, of a I've been show. I've to the Emmys. Never no, I've never been Globes. to it personally. Yeah. But many time just watching on television, is basically what it is. It's an event where just loaded. celebrities loaded. just get like lit up, which is you know kind of hilarious. Right. Um, now, by the way, in that cancellation of 2022, it's unclear whether NBC wanting to pay mm. the 60 million annual is fee. for the rights uh, for the 2022 rights to air the Globes, right? Now, NBC did sign an eight-year deal. $60 million for the rights
1: there. That's almost like, uh, what is that, like a million dollars per viewer. That's, that's, <laughs> that's
2: great. That's exactly right. That's good right. economics. They did sign an eight-year deal with the HFPA and Dick Clark Productions, who is the producer of the, of of the show, in 2018, right? So it was only three, you know, three years removed. Yeah. Uh, now, the Globes have been on increasingly shaky footing uh, this year since it was revealed just before February's Golden Globes. That the HFPA had zero black members, mm-hmm. right? Which is <laughs> so the exactly.
1: Hollywood Foreign Press Association. But not just zero black members; zero black members for like thirty years or something. Right, right, right. It's like it still has never, zero black right. members. Yeah, right. it still has zero black right. members. Now, a people don't
2: like the movie. On May 6th, Come on, you know that. Yeah, exactly. Around May six, around seventy five of the eight, of its eighty six members voted for an inclusion and overhaul proposal, mm. right? Um, in the hopes of you know reframing the narrative, which includes. Fifty percent increase of membership. By the membership. way,
1: May six was like ten days ago.
2: Well, yeah, because Just, this is getting tons of pressure, so they they like. Right. This is not something stuff, that stuff starts to unravel. Yeah. And like, this oh, is not yeah, something that originated
1: organically <laughs> of out of the goodness not. of people's. <laughs> Absolutely not. And again, who are we talking about
2: here? We're talking <laughs> who is about, the foreign press. Who no, are all we're these, like, talking
1: these guys that are sitting there in trench coats. But Jesus, this goes to a, a long-held mantra of mine. Look at who these folks are: the Hollywood. Foreign Press Association, Hollywood Media. I mean like and 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 the reason we're coming to this is right. because somebody's putting tweets out?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But 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 the but the commitments are pretty awesome. Okay. 50% increase in membership of the next 18 from months. From 1 to 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, zero to 1 is like a Sorry, percentage that's increase? That's 100%. Yeah, it's 100%. Sorry, right? from 2 to 3. A million to percent three. increase, 0 to 1. Right. Hiring a, of a CEO and other top governance positions. The Which fact means that they need don't, to hire a CEO. Like, they don't have one now. That's what's happening, that means? <laughs> guys? That means they don't have like, one now. Conduct and ethics measures. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. I like doing that. good is good, and they committed to at least thirteen percent black membership. So basically, we're going to hit parity. We're going to hit the national average in a year after after a, decades, decades of, of not struggles. having a single decades person. Of struggle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but of course, this has been now a little you know a little too late. Yeah. Time's up. Uh, demand that the board resign, resigning would be a good start for an overhaul. <laughs> I love Sounds that target board. Netflix announced that it will not engage the HFP until real reform was in place. By the way, I think that's probably the biggest one for them. Yeah. Because they're such, I mean, they're cranking out so much content, so much content that's they're getting, they're getting awards that I'm sure Netflix, you know, t- taking a stance one way or the other, m- you know, makes a difference. And then my boy. Tom Cruise. Mm. He returned his Golden Globes awards in protest. And I have to remember, like, which Golden Globes did you return, Tom Cruise? I don't know. But uh, I hope he threw Fourth of July was one of them. That's a good uh, one. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. There was a third in here, but I, I don't know. But at least, those are, you forget, Tom Cruise has made a lot of really Magnolia. good Magnolia. movies. Is that
1: Magnolia. Is? I think so. He's made
2: some really good movies. I mean. He has. You, can, you know, give him a lot been, of
1: I mean, come on. Risky Business was f-
2: 40 years ago. Charlie. There, been, was, yeah. there was also a letter sent. By Hollywood publicists. Oh no. Demanding for change. Yeah, that is like, it. you know, a kiss of death. I was going to say. Now, in response to this letter for change, mm-hmm. Time's Up President and CEO Tina uh, Tina Chen, Chen said, uh, We are proud of be in solidarity with the voices of over 100 Hollywood PR firms and calling for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association to radically transform the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. We agree that anything less than transparent, meaningful change will no longer be acceptable. The entire world is watching. By the way, wow. I would love to see. What does the board look like? What does the executive team look like of these Hollywood publicist firms? I would like
1: to see who and the entire see, world is watching about the uh, Golden Globes. No, changing but, but their but stuff honestly, is. like,
2: like there was a list of a lot of PR firms. I, w- I would love to see what that leadership team and board team looks like for those folks. We'll get to courage or cringe on this, but I can tell you what. Right
1: off the <coughs> bat, I, I'm now, just I, I get I just cringe out so much on like the 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 what do they call it the. When you get on the ban- the bandwagon effect, yeah, yeah, yeah. like even the Netflix thing is like, okay, guys, everybody else hates them. Do you think we should hate? Yes, we hate them too. <laughs> send out the thing, it. quick, <laughs> quick, send it out because we want to make sure everybody knows we
2: hate. That's literally what I got from the thing I read. Uh, now, of course, there is the counter point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a piece that was put together actually by the New York Post. New York Post that calls out some of the art- actors who are now very adamantly, you know. Uh, Enraged about what's happening with the Hollywood press. Someone like Scarlett Johansson, who I'm a fan of, Mm -hmm. for her perceived hypocrisy in calling out the Hollywood press while previously supporting support or lack of condemnation of of bad players like Woody Allen. Yeah. They also, you know, say the same thing can be said about others that facilitate the behavior from Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein, Mm -hmm. right? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, uh, newsflash. Hollywood celebrities
2: can be duplicitous Uh, and not necessarily transparent. courage or cringe Charlie. yeah golden globes 22 2022 being canceled by nbc it's a it's
1: a whole thing is a virtue signaling exercise for me so like on across the board it's a cringe for me um just because i don't take any of it seriously i do think it's ridiculous and preposterous that this um you know foreign press association with their trench coats and orange cigarettes you know often having lattes and Paris or something? Because what you didn't say was that it, there's pretty good evidence that if you take these guys out for a very expensive dinner and <laughs> some trips around town, you're going to get your movie nominated. That's like, <laughs> that, that's one of the things that was, that was <laughs> in addition to the overt lack of uh, diversity uh, sensibility, that was one thing that was talked about. So I, I think that the Hollywood foreign... I can imagine th- this group... I think it needs radical transformation. I agree with all of that. But wait, do I believe? Is, is yeah. the
2: Hollywood Foreign Press like? I just don't know. This is it completely? I have no reverse, idea okay. who Are they? Are? they it sounds like, like a- are any of them American? Like, is this? I guess well, not, right? It, it will says be foreign, foreign press, press,
1: right? I don't know. It sounds like, like I said. I mean, trench coats and yellow cigarettes. I guess it's you know the part I mean?
2: that I don't understand. This is me just not knowing or caring. By the way, to be clear, exactly, which is, is what makes is it like, cringe. Why does Golden Glows matter? It doesn't anyway. It doesn't. Like, that's why the, did it ever matter? That's
1: the large. Well, I'll tell you why it never mattered. American No, no, no. no, film no, no, no. Film I will industry. tell you this. My wife, of course, who's the source of all wisdom for me, brought up to me recently the reason why it mattered at some point. The reason, consequently, while all these award shows have dwindled into a lack of relevance is that it used to be the place where we could actually see and interact with the stars of the things that we cared about that was it and now we're connected to these people. I can see every friggin' angle of what you're doing. In fact, I'm seeing too much. You're overexposed. I'm watching you go to the grocery store. I'm watching you raise your kids. I'm watching you brush out your dog. Right, right. And so I don't need to have the golden globes it to watch you show up in moments a
2: moments to see celebrities like exactly. outside of the film. Yeah. Outside of like yeah. In real life. In real life. And now yeah. Instagram, which is, which is not, not real. real. Right. Well, even then it was Even worse. Of course.
1: But my point is, that's the reason, and that consequently is the reason why they've declined consistently. So look, it's cringe. It's all a bunch of fake outrage, and it's a fake piling on over something that should happen. These guys should be brought to task about what they're doing. But the entire thing is a complete PR, just cringe fest. The whole thing, from beginning to end, including the fact that nobody
2: cares about these shows. I'm a cringe. Um... Yeah, I'm going to have to agree, Charlie. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it what cracks me up about the story is how irrelevant the Golden Globes have become that NBC, by the way, who's like, I give them no credit about anything. The fact that they canceled it is that this thing has so little ratings at this point that I'm sure they're trying to figure out how do we dump this, this thing and not have to spend 60, the million, 60 bucks. million bucks anymore on something you that gotta has... you got to be kidding me. You know, we you know what I didn't put in here is that what was the raise that the Golden Globes got this year versus last year? But if it's anything like anything, it's like fifty percent, fifty percent drops. Yeah. So you're literally paying the same money or more but that you pay for rights, dude. That's the TV way. Half the audience. That's now. the TV way. But pay more at, for less. But every at year. some point, that has to break, right? And I think, frankly, I, this is a, a case where I think NBC saw it as opportunistic. We're mm-hmm. like, great, people are piling on, awesome. We're not going to air it, and we're going to say that you know because of. What you haven't done is a breach of contract. We're going to cancel the agreement and try to save ourselves. We have to pay some of it, but as long as we have to pay $60 million for the next five years, great. Yeah. It's, no. Yeah, the whole thing is, is terrible. The whole thing is terrible. Um, and
1: I won't miss the Golden Globes for the record next year. And he, frankly, you could take the next year after that off and I'll be fine. And we'll, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just go Thank ahead and for just, that. Just, just, just,
2: just wrap up uh, the rest of those 10 years. That's is, right. We're, we're, we're good. good. We call
1: that sunsetting. We can sunset the Golden Globes.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think also part of it to me kind of leans into to what degree does it matter what, um, you know, experts believe about films, like film reviews, et cetera, awards. I mean, you can still say the Oscars to some degree. Like there's there's a prestige about getting an Oscars uh, nomination or awards. But I don't know how much that actually drives additional viewing at this point. People say like, I have to watch this film because it got nominated for an Oscars. I don't know. Maybe Academy Award
1: is the one thing you can still sort of make that case for. Maybe, right? Golden Globes to me, I always, I mean, I know it's wrong to say this, but I always think smaller and less relevant than the Academy Awards. And the Academy Awards is pretty, you know, increasingly smaller and less relevant. It was always like the
2: indicator to who may win the Oscar, I think, the Golden Globe, Right. It was like the nod, like, hey, this person is therefore much more likely to win. But the whole thing is pretty, I mean, the the amount of people being offended by this on something that's been going on for decades and by the way, in in Hollywood being the one that's so upset about yeah. diversity. Like oh, really just, Hollywood? Right. You're upset about diversity? Right. We're super really? upset. Again,
1: yeah, bad across the board. I'm I'm tired. I'm bored. I'm already I'm I'm sleeping through the Golden Globes even now <laughs> as we're talking about it.
2: All right, so let's move on. So we're we're we're, we're still we're, wow, we're two for two, Charlie. We're nice. we're doing well today. I will ru- ruin that immediately. Third topic, mm-hmm. uh courage or cringe? Marjorie Taylor Greene says that she's been the victim of Democrat bullying when questioned about her hounding of AOC.
1: So Marjorie Taylor Greene is a victim of AOC's
2: bullying. Correct. Got Herd it. Courage or current. Got it. That's her description of being a victim of, of, of bullying, right? Yep. yep. Um, so I was reported by Business Insider, Rep- Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene is looking to flip the script in her, beh- in her reported behavior towards political rivals. Mm-hmm. Now, she has come under a lot of criticism on several occasions for her confrontational behavior, When advocating for her causes, right? The latest example was from a video recently released where she was pursuing Ocasio-Cortez on Capitol Hill, screaming, as witnesses said, saying that Ocasio-Cortez supported terrorists. Then there was a 2019 video from before Green was a member of Congress showing Mm -hmm. her and some other far-right companions taunting Ocasio-Cortez through the New York's office letterbox, calling her a baby who needed to get rid of her diaper. Now, back in February, Green was stripped of her committee assignments after multiple incidents emerged of her endorsing political violence. And then there was a video from 2018 showing her harassing and mocking Parkland shooting survivor, David Hogg, over his anti-gun stance. However, in an interview with Greg Kelly on Newsmax, which I call the all right version of Fox News, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. there's such a thing, Mm -hmm. uh, basically she said that the real victim of aggression is her by Democrats, right? She said, and I quote, they're accusing me of being aggressive and saying that my mannerisms are wrong is definitely the other way around. They don't know what to do with me because I'm not going to back down and be intimidated by their bully tactics. Now, there were some instances that she cited, including an altercation in January with Missouri Rep. Corey Bush, where she said Bush was verbally assaulting her.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: However, when that incident was first reported, Bush said that it was Green who berated her after she asked Green to wear a mask properly. Uh, there was also time in February when Representative Mary Newman planted the trans flag in what Green described as, and I quote, an aggressive manner outside of uh, Representative Mary Green's own office, and accused her of bumping her shoulder. Accused Representative Newman of bumping Green's shoulder uh, while walking by her. Right? right. So basically, she put a symbol of something that Marjorie
1: Taylor Green does not agree with outside right. of. Her office, of her which office means which, that is, it which was across, across a the, hall, across from the her own, hall from. Uh, meaning that every time you Green. walk out, you have to look. Correct, at it. Correct. correct, okay.
2: Um, and of course, Newman responded by saying, "And I quote: Like nearly every common claim and conspiracy that comes out of Marjorie Taylor Greene's mouth, mm-hmm. this is laughably false and frankly absurd." Mm-hmm. So. Courage or Cringe, Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that she's the victim of Democrat bullying when being questioned about her hounding of AOC. Yeah. um, You want me to go?
1: Sure. So on this one, I mean, to be honest, I didn't get a chance to do all the research because I don't know Marjorie Taylor Greene. I've heard about her in some of the, you know, just in the context of some of the conversations we've had for this show and some of the like kind of headlining stuff right. that we've done. She definitely seems like she's somebody who... Um, she she uses, came out strong. She came out strong. She came out strong. And uses that kind of like, you know, I won't back down, fierce female kind of thing, um, you know, in a very in a very serious way. Which, you know, leads me to one of the questions, which is her level of fierce female does not seem acceptable. Other levels of fierce female seem very acceptable. So <clears> I have <throat> you no know, question about that. Um, having said that, you know, there's, there's two things that I would say. One is the way to behave in... The halls of Congress, because even though we can look very cynically about Congress and go, look, nothing happens, mm-hmm. it's all kind of BS and politics, there is a level of decorum that is something that we need to have in these bodies in order to at least give the impression to the rest of the world that puts you in those positions that something is seriously happening here. If it's all just gonna devolve into like some, you know, 21st century version of like Jerry Springer. This is not going to be good
2: for anybody. Let, let me ask you a question on yeah. that, what you just said, because I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Do you, I definitely think that historically the view has been placed on elected officials that their job is to go into Congress, into the Senate, to like, make things happen, to vote on things, to, yeah. to cause change, to represent the interest of their constituents, but represent those interest in actual action. I don't know, man. If I agree that that's l- really the the threshold people have on 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 what gauges someone being successful, a, a good politician or not, a good president or not, because I think we've gone to a point now where it definitely feels that the orientation is more is like. Did this person get one over on the other person? Did they show them I know, well? That's Did they show point. them this off in an of, argument? Yeah. And uh, hearing, you know, like those moments, it's not like <clears throat> what their record was, mm-hmm. how much policy they were able to get through. It was like, no, no, no. They had a moment where they made someone look dumb in a hearing. It's definitely... And that's the orientation that I think It's is definitely being rewarded, changing. frankly. It's definitely
1: know? changing and it's being rewarded and that's a bad thing. Look, you know, in the kind of... In a historical context, you look at, you know, things like the Roman Senate in early centuries of, you know, Western civilization. And there was, you know, times when there was orderly votes and everybody wore their toga neatly. And other times where people were getting stabbed out in the backyard, right? <laughs> Depending on the century you looked at. <laughs> and I think we're entering into There's the, you know, yeah. kind of like the stabbing yeah. in the in the kind of backyard scenario. And I don't think that that's a good thing. So I disagree with... Um, some of the things that I've read about her, you know, kind of, let's call it undecorous kind of way to to behave. I also think most of these people are lawyers, just so you know, right? So Congress people are pretty much exclusively lawyers. And lawyers are brought up to think that, and it's right, it's in the canons of how you behave as a lawyer, that you need to zealously represent your, your, <clears throat> sure. your, your whatever, whoever you're defending. But I think that that's part of the issue here is that um, you have to, yes, represent your constituents, but you have to do it in a context that's broader than representing one, people's, uh, one person zealously in court. You're actually representing people within a context of an American legislative system that has shared values, and you have to, like, bear with that. That means that not everybody you run into is going to have your perspective, and you have to be very decorous. You know, I think about um, the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. in the in the UK. Mm-hmm. These guys will go like scream at each other they stand up they're like eh! they start yelling and moaning and crying but everything is super orderly in a way right the one, the, 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 <laughs> the, the the thing like you ha- you hit the gavel it's and it's like all of a sudden of you know what i'm saying <laughs> like it's 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 like so th- there's a context for this kind of 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 behavior that i think helps us to have a system otherwise we don't otherwise we have chaos chaos yeah. And what I'm saying is, so I don't agree with that. Mm. Having said that, some of the interactions that I did read, like for instance, this interaction with another congressperson named Ruben Gallego, I just wonder if the rules would be the same on the other side of the equation. Here you've got a guy, former military dude, you know, talking to a woman and the way he's acting, I mean, like seriously, what he tweeted just makes him sound, and I don't know this man, makes him sound like a total asshole. You know what I mean? It's like... I wonder how much of this stuff would be different if the if the parties were inverted, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking about, I was trying to figure out, here's what he tweeted, I was trying to fit to one of her things about her having some issues with, she's very, again, I don't agree with the style, very pointed about her critiques about Democrats shutting down, killing hundreds of thousands of small businesses, mm-hmm. critical about the immigration policies that lead to a a burgeoning cartel business, Mm -hmm. critical of all these things. Got it. Okay. His response was, I was trying to figure out what type of pen to stab your friends with if they overran us on the floor of the House of Representatives while trying to conduct a democratic transition of power. So shut your seditious QAnon loving mouth. I'm like thinking, what an asshole. Like, it's like, even if you're right about a hundred, you're another congressman. And it's like you're talking to a woman. I get, I get you disagree with all the things that she said. You're not addressing any of the things that she said. You're just doing a complete ad hominem attack. Well, and it's yeah. like – and I just wonder, like, it's again – It's race to the bottom in, well, that, in that It is. And think right. if it was like, I don't know, you pick the g- congressional per- – you know, Mitch McConnell talking to AOC that way. Like, just imagine that. Right, it would be right, total right, turmoil. Right. So, look, I don't – I think it's um, – I don't know if she's been bullied. I haven't walked in in her shoes. I don't know how she feels. I think some of this she's brought on herself by the way that she's approaching all of this stuff. She's very aggressive and kind of argumentative and whatever, but at the same time, like, you know remember that we're living in a time and place it says that we can't have you know people be held down and we should express yourself in the way that you see fit and mm-hmm. live your truth and you know fierce women
2: a lot of scare, miss Charlie so what what are we talking about here I,
1: so I, look ultimately uh, on this one um what was Rummy again what it is which one is it what courage or cringe on, whether on her she
2: victim of of democratic bullying
1: all right I'm gonna go cringe on it I'm gonna go cringe on it but specifically Curve. because it's like who lives by the sword dies by the sword. That's the Got reason it. why. Okay. But I don't dismiss the things that she said because I think in a lot of cases she's, she, treated, she's been treated... Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's,
2: be Okay. That's, so that's me. All right. I can understand Sorry, that. Sorry. That was a rant. Yeah. You know, when I think about about Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, I sort of put her in that category of politicians who really paid like really close attention to what former President Trump did mm-hmm. and said like that is the key. Like right now we're in a moment where anger, where you know, getting high emotion and you could get high emotion by either being really happy or really, uh, really upset. But getting really upset is actually, I think, a, a more, an easier way to activate people to figure out ways to get them really upset. It's actually something that can be very political, like politically beneficial. Right. And I think she's taking that stand. To me, the part where it's just really hard to to feel bad for her, which I understand, I do think that, and I'm actually more on your page than not, but like, I'm sure there's instances like that where she also has been treated pretty poorly. Um, but it's I think to me, the instance when she started like harassing and mocking the, you know, uh David Hogg as he was walking out, like this is still like he's still a kid. he's like, a kid. He's still a kid. Like I I get that you have yeah. disagree on on his policy gun, but this guy saw his friends like killed <laughs> right in front of him. He mm-hmm. was he was involved in a mass shooting. Like there's still a part there that I think is 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 I put him in the same category that if you're sitting there verbally abusing someone that survived the 9-11 attack. -hmm. Because of their belief in whatever, maybe international policy against whatever. It doesn't matter. Like I get that you disagree with them, but when you attack someone in that manner, and especially someone that is underage, or if not if I don't even know if he was underage, you know, that point, but he's still pretty young. You know, he's maybe I don't know, eighteen, nineteen years old. That's where I feel like there's a line that was crossed by her pretty early on that she made it very clear, like this is the approach that I'm gonna take. And it makes it very hard to then turn around and say, hey, see how I'm the victim of this all. And by the way, and I think it's literally taking a page out of the playbook of Trump, which is saying like, you go after everyone, attack everyone, and then let I'm the victim of all the media, like picking on me and doing all this. Like, dude, you're doing a lot of stuff to yourself. I'm not saying they're not being fair to you. Sometimes they are being unfair to you, but you're so over the top about how you operate that it makes it hard for anyone that even trying to be a little bit uh, less biased to want to give you any benefit of the doubt because of the way that you're behaving all the time. Mm-hmm. So, which is why when I hear this kind of you know uh, reframing of the situation, I'm I'm definitely very cringe. Although I think the points that you're making are, are pretty valid. And, and I, I didn't read that the, that comment of of this person. And this I person think made. this guy uh, Ruben
1: Gallego, apparently is a congressman from Arizona, <clears throat> is also taking the same page out of. Um, out of uh, Trump's book, in terms of super aggressive tweets and calling people traitors and doing all this other stuff, I yeah, mean, I'm looking at his Twitter feed. He needs some help.
2: So, um, and, and that's, yeah. that's, that's the that's the sad legacy that, unfortunately, I think has been created is that people feel like that is a winning strategy. Yeah. yeah. Well, even when they don't agree it, with the people, the people person who enacted the strategy, though, for that's sure. The yeah, irony. yeah. Well, that's the thing is like. You don't have to have. You don't have to be on the same side of, the, of an issue. We we'll still think that's a winning strategy and take that that approach, right? Is attack first, attack second, attack third, and like and don't back out. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a, the because once again, the judgment for success is not actually doing anything, right? Achieving anything. No, it's right. just success? Did you fight? Did you cross pain on the other side? And if you did, great. Then You're doing a good job.
1: So yeah. it's just you get a, a I don't know, like a some kind of fluffy sweater or a mug or we both do for having for going it. three for three on this episode of Courage or Cringe. I think that's, that's yeah, great. Yeah,
2: fluffy sweaters? I think I like sweaters. Something that like be, that, I don't be know. worthwhile, yeah. You know, yeah, to, uh, either that
1: sweater. or like some just cheap piece of swag <laughs> from the Foreign uh, <laughs> Journalists Association <laughs> yeah, exactly. for the Golden
2: Globes. Love that. We get a the steak dinner. The Foreign Press Association. Yeah, I want to hang out with those guys. Unbelievable, unbelievable.
1: All right, fun, fun stuff. We got some uh, interesting things coming up on the show. Jesus interesting guests we got some interesting topics as always I want to remind everybody to go to patreon.com backslash the diversity remix want to remind everyone to subscribe don't think that i forgot about it please subscribe help us out support our work a little plug for blackbrown.us to check out um the work that we continue to do there so check us out and um is that it well, what else we got anything else to that's mention no, all right i think right. that's it so, then we will see everybody again next time on another episode of TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by BlackBrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez, with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Network.